I is uh, I want to look at the life of Jacob, the Jacob identity. And uh, I want to I make this interactive. I don't know how it'll go. We'll see how it goes, okay? Let's just let the Holy Spirit have his ministry take place in our midst. So you have outlines tonight. We're going to follow them. Let's look at some of the scriptures and let the Holy Spirit uh, begin to really disseminate, put into us, and spread abroad his word. How many of you have a hunger for the word? We want a hunger for a word and the thirst for his spirit. Amen? Hunger for the Word, a thirst for His Spirit. And that's what we're in. We're in a 40-day fast right now. We're in day 14. How many of you feeling it? You all right? Yeah, you're feeling it, I know. So a hunger for His Word, a thirst for His Spirit. And as this develops, we want to continue to uh, really seek after a relationship with God, a close, intimate relationship. I want to talk to you about Jacob tonight, and we want to talk about how God formed his identity, and many of us have the same struggle and wrestling going on that Jacob did. Maybe you can identify with some parts of his life and story. Hosea sums it up this way, talking about that wrestler, that one who was a, uh, just really a, a, a schemer says this in Hosea, as God is speaking to the tribes of Israel and Judah, he speaks to Jacob as a tribe, as the people of Israel. He says, the Lord has a charge to bring against Judah. He will punish Jacob according to his ways and repay him according to his deeds. Now, how many of you know in Jacob's life, he got paid back all the uh, trickery that he gave out, it came back to him. How many of you know that saying, uh, what goes around comes around, right? And uh, so you might be reaping some of your earlier previous decisions and choices, and they bite you in the behind, if I may put it that way, uh, but they come back around. That happened to Jacob. He said he's, God was going to punish Jacob according to his ways. Sometimes the Lord doesn't have to do any of the punishing. He just lets your foolishness catch up with you. And we learn from that. How many of you know it, right? Uh, In Jeremiah, he says that sins have built within them their own judgment and punishment. So he's going to repay him according to his deeds. In the womb, he grasped his brother's heel. And as a man, he struggled with God. He struggled with the angel and overcame him. He wept and begged for his favor. He found him at Bethel and talked with him there. The Lord God Almighty, the Lord is his name. God can be found, even in struggles, even when we struggle. And he calls, and he calls him by his name. The word struggler, struggle is that name for supplanter or that name for Jacob himself. He says he wrestled in the womb with his brother, which was going to be a picture of his life struggles with man. And he's wrestled as well with God when God was going to bring him new birth and new life. So he struggled at the beginning of his life. He struggled with God for a new life. And God finally gave him a new name. Amen? Thank God for intervention by the Lord. How many of you can relate that you started off in a struggle? Even coming to God was a struggle. But he got you. Aren't you glad he's got you? I'm glad he's got me. Let's take a look at this struggle in the womb. Genesis uh, 25 verse 23 Rebecca is, has twins in her womb, and she feels that there's a problem inside her belly 
because there's this rumbling going on. Ladies, you know that when a baby starts moving, eight, nine months, uh, it, it's, well, it starts sooner, but I'm saying when it's that old, it starts moving. You feel it across the rib cage, spine, and background. Can you imagine you have two of them in a wrestling match? What do they call the wrestling now? WFA or some kind of... Is it WFA? Any, no wrestlers here? Good for you. God bless you. Don't waste your time. Anyways, it's a wrestling match in her womb, so she asked the Lord what it is, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. And that's what he's saying right here in Hosea, the war between two nations. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. That's what will eventually come between these two nations. They will become two nations that God favors one and hates the other. Because one follows after the Lord. Well, he says, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. Goes on to another verse. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand was holding Esau's heel. So he was called Jacob. Now, the firstborn is supposed to be the one who gets the blessing. But Jacob, even in the womb, was wrestling for that blessing. There's a destiny here. God told uh, Jeremiah, I knew you in your what? Womb. Would it be too far-fetched to consider the foreknowledge and post-knowledge and omniscient knowledge of God that you were known in the womb? Could you believe that for you? Messes with your mind. Messes with the whole concept. But you're here. God directed you here. Not in this church. I mean in the body of Christ. But I'll go as far as saying yes. In this church, yes, at this time, at 748, God knew and wanted you here. Amen? God had a plan for you. You need to begin understanding that you have an eternal destiny and an eternal identity in God. Jacob, babies don't know how to grasp. Babies don't know how to wrestle. Babies don't know how to say, me first, then you. It was the unction in Jacob by God to grab hold of this ankle, to fulfill the prophecy of what God was going to do with Jacob the nation. Could it be that God knew how you were going to come out of the womb with all your wrestling and and silliness and put it to work for a plan? He came out grabbing the heel. Now he says... One is going to be stronger than the other. Who was the stronger one? In the flesh, who was the stronger one? Esau. He was the hunter. He was the man. He was all furry. He was all manly man. Jacob, though he was more slight, he was a pretty strong dude. He ended up wrestling with God, didn't he? So who was the stronger one in the spirit? Eventually, who was the one stronger in God? Jacob. Yeah, Jacob. Because even empowered by God, he grabbed hold of that heel and said, no, you're not going to get away with it. Now, that's interesting. Now, God didn't favor the type of trickery and especially the poor parenting of Isaac and Rebekah. They just 
they favored and it was a real problem they created two nations by the way they raised those kids and in fact it was rebecca her idea to to trick her own husband to give the birthright to jacob that's a messed up family how many of you know that god even works through messed up families how many of you know that right amen that's no excuse for you to have a messed up family but still hey thank god thank god do your best all right so let me ask you this i want to find out and and again we're going to be interactive i I want to just you know kind of get into this thing how many of you just just stand up how many of you had a struggle being born i was supposed to be aborted so i'm going to stand up who had a struggle maybe a life and death struggle maybe your mom had trouble giving you birth maybe maybe you had a little baby infant had struggled how many of you just just tell you know don't give me a, a half hour just tell me what stay standing tell me what 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 happened what was wrong Wow. So my mother spent all night thinking that I was dead. Wow, okay. Wow. She was on heroin. Wow, okay. That's a struggle, right. Eyes and lungs not fully developed. My mother was heart All right. Wow. Wow, okay. So you were close to dying, being all dried out? Okay. Yikes. Welcome to the world. Yeah, that's a tough... a tough beginning, yeah. Your mom tried to abort you twice. Wow. Hard time with delivery. Peter in the back. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so we've got real life stories here, right? Of really difficult births. But yet, look at where did God bring you? right god had a plan for you right now how many of you were born into what i would call maybe what you would call a dysfunctional family parents that were divided stand up now seriously seriously (laughs) surprised you're not all you're all giggling and laughing all right no this is important take a look around because again we're talking about god's sovereign identity for you you know how people come from such dysfunctional families, never find God, they can't get a hold on life, but look at you. Why you? Why you? That's the question of your identity. Why you? Because God had His hand on you the minute you were conceived. We've got to believe that. We've got to know that. You weren't just... I mean, is God all-knowing or not? Okay? So you can be seated. Do you see what's going on here? So there's the struggle at the birth, there's the struggle growing up, 
and Jacob becomes the supplanter. He becomes the conniver. He becomes the schemer. And how many of you were schemers, connivers? Come on, in all honesty, stand up. Schemers and connivers, come on. You guys that uh, you were at the principal's office every other week or something, right? Maybe not that, but how many of you, you know, you ended up, you know, lifting some things of your brothers or sisters or whatever. You had excuses for getting out of things, right? How many of you, right? Okay, connivers. Can God use connivers? Absolutely. Absolutely. See, God will redeem. You can be seated. God will redeem everything in your life (laughs) through the whole thing. God can use us. God can use every part of us, right? Now, let me just ask, how many of you came from great households, loving households, right? And a happy marriage and a happy childhood. Stand up. Okay. Did you need to get saved too? (laughs) Absolutely. Thank God for what you had coming up, right? But thank God he broke into your life with a good life, a happy life. Well, Jacob did this. He connived, didn't he? And uh, we know the story of Jacob. He, he, he was a schemer, and he put fur on his arm uh, so that his dad thought he was Esau. Because when it came time for the blessing... Now, first of all, Esau sold his birthright to his brother for a, a pot of chili, okay? We'll call it chili. I mean, I don't know what pottage is. Porridge, you know? So I'm going to go for white bean chili. <laughs> and he's cooking it. So Jacob's the guy in the kitchen. He liked to cook. Esau's the guy hunting for the venison to cook. And so he's super hungry, he's famished, and this and that. And he's willing to sell his birthright for food. I would suspect it therefore didn't mean that much to him. And so, but... Jacob was a conniver, so he got the birthright. In other words, he got that hand on that heel. He had been waiting for the moment to get what he needed. How many self-sufficient people do we have here? This doesn't matter what kind of a household you came from, but how many of you are, were really good at being self-sufficient? You could get by on your own stand-up. You could get by on your own. You made a good living. You made your right decisions. You maneuvered through life. You could handle life, right? Okay? So we thought. So we thought. So we thought. You may be seated. That's one of the biggest and hardest things for self-sufficient people to come to the Lord because I'm fine. We're doing well. Got my life in good shape. But what catches up to you? Life. What goes around comes around. So he schemed. He got the blessing from his dad. He schemed and pretended. His dad was half blind and and, and he couldn't see. So uh, Isaac is going to give the blessing on his sons. They're 30 years old. He comes in, come to get the blessing, the adoption, the sonship a placement, and, and he comes in, and he pretends to be Esau. Hey, Dad, uh, give me uh, the blessing, okay? And he puts, well, son, let me touch to see if, uh, which son I'm talking to. So he puts furry. He goes, oh, that's Esau. He's a furry guy. So he gives the blessing. Rebecca's the, the mastermind behind all this, right? Mama. And uh, so then Esau finds out he's ticked. He's the hunter. He's got bow and arrows. 
weaponry. So what happens with Jacob? Get out of there. So he gets out of town fast. Get out of Dodge. Now he goes and he works on a farm with Laban. And Laban's got two girls. And one is really hot. She is fine. Rachel is everything. Man, this guy's like, woo, baby. And she's got a sister who's cross-eyed and just, I don't know. So uh, he works. He falls in love and wants that girl. And wow, man, you know what? On the night of his wedding, he goes into the tent. He makes love with the woman he thinks is his bride. And he wakes up in the morning and it's Leah. (laughs) He was tricked. What goes around comes around. How many of you stand up have had, not that situation, but a, a, a situation that came around and got the best of you? Stand up if that's you. What came around, you got away with things till something caught up with you and got you. Okay. All right. We got real life going on here, right? These are real life stories. So he's not happy. And uh, I feel bad for Leah. You know, she's always second, always second to Rachel. And Jacob's complaining. He goes back to Laban. He said, I want my wife. I want my girl. So he gave him Rebecca. But he had to work for her seven more years. But he was so in love, it just passed by and all this. Now, God tells him, I want you to go back to Esau. Go back to your father's house. Go see Esau. He's a little bit worried about that, isn't he? So now he's got to go back. Now let's take a look at uh, Genesis 32. Let's see what's going on there. Genesis 32 as he goes back. This is interesting. He's had an encounter with God. He knows that God, he's got God's blessing. He knows that the blessing went from Abraham. Now we're talking covenant relationship with Yahweh God. And he understands that God is the God of Abraham, and because he's the God of Isaac, Isaac gave him the blessing. Now Jacob understands, even though he hadn't been living up to it, he understands he's got the blessings of Yahweh, Jehovah God, on him. So how many of you grew up knowing the Lord, but didn't live for Jesus? Stand up. Okay. And you're here now. He didn't give up on you. He didn't cast you aside. He said, I'm going to work with you (laughs) till I get you to fully recognize me. Amen. Okay, you could be seated. So Jacob, now I want you to see this struggle going on. He's got a, God tells him, God talks to him. As a matter of fact, God blessed him in those seven years that he was working off the the Rachel thing. Uh, God told him that he would bless him, and he increased his cattle, increased his sheep, increased his livestock more than Laban. And he was super blessed, okay? So he knew God. Just wasn't, you know, fully convinced yet. Fully at that place of surrender. Maybe there's someone here tonight. I'm not going to ask you to stand, but maybe there's someone tonight not at that place of full surrender. You know God. God's going to get you to full surrender. God's got a a headlock 
that'll get you good. And he knows how to use it. Now catch this up. Catch, catch this. Uh, Genesis 32. Jacob went on his way. He's going back to eat, see Esau. And the angels of God met him. And when Jacob, what? Saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he called the name of that place Mahanaim. Now Mahanaim means two camps. So what he realized is the angels of God. Now how many, I would like to have a camp of angels show up on my doorstep. I really would. He, he says the angels of God came out and met him. Now, I don't know how that looks, but uh, you know what? Was there a legion? Was there an army of angels? There was a camp. He said there's two camps here. There's my camp. He had all his servants and herdsmen and wives and children, right? Jacob's got 12 kids, two wives, two concubines, and he's got I don't know how many people to take care of all these cattle and sheep that multiplied. You're talking hundreds of people there. Equally, there could have been that many angels. That is nothing for angels. They can show up. They party together all the time. They're a heavenly host, a heavenly army. So they're there. Now, would you be afraid of Esau if you're encamped with a a host, an army of angels? That should be convincing enough that, hey, you remember Elijah who said, uh, uh, open my servant's eyes that he could see we're surrounded by angels, not to worry about the other army? All right, so here you are. I'm not even going to ask how many of you have ever been encamped with angels. Stand up. I'd like to hear that story. I won't ask it, though. All right. So that's the setting we're in. He's got to go back to Esau, but he's got all the angels. Now, he knows God is in covenant with him. He knows God has blessed him. He knows that God has told him where to go. He knows that God sent an army of angels with him. And then what happens? He sends messengers to Esau, his brother, instructing them, give him some gifts. I've given him oxen and donkeys and flocks, male servants, female servants, and tell him, my Lord, that may I find favor in his sights. The messengers come back. And by the way, the word messengers means angels. But these were human people. And the messengers returned to Jacob and said, we came to your brother Esau, and he's coming to meet you, and there are 400 men with him. Can I have a little more detail? That's all that he says. Uh, he's got 400 guys and he's on his way. Jacob thinks, 400, he's going to kill me. He's coming to kill me. That's what he's going to do. Now, I would have asked those messengers, was he happy? Was he sad? Did he like the gift? Did he not like the gift? Did he happen to mention anything to me? I mean, you know what I mean? I... 400 men, what kind of 400 men are these? Were they carrying weaponry? Did they have swords? Did they have clubs? Or were they good housekeeping guys? Were they the welcome wagon? Did they have party hats and favors? Are they going to be excited? I get more information. Wouldn't you? Now, wait a minute. He knows he's in covenant with God. Aren't you in covenant with God? Do you know that? Okay. Don't you have ministering spirits sent to aid those who are servants of the Lord? You are, you have, Hebrews says that, that angels are here to minister to the saints of God. So do you have a camp of angels round about you? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. So you're in covenant with God. You have angels uh, round about you. And can you hear the voice of the Lord? And will you follow the voice of the Lord? Will you obey? All right. 
So what does Jacob do at this point? He fears Esau, his brother. Why? Say it loud, Dee. Oh, it was you, Judy. I'm pointing at Dee, and she's going, what are you pointing at? <laughs> How'd you do that? You made your voice <laughs> Guilt. Guilt. He was afraid. Fear. Fear canceled out an entire camp of angels that he saw. Come on, what do people do when they see angels in the Bible? These, these angels look pretty amazing. Could you imagine an army of angels? But fear trumped the angel camp. Huh? 400 guys. Fear trumped the fact he knew he was in covenant with God and God told him to go. He was obedient going where he was going, but he forgot all that and fear trumped the covenant of God. Now, how many of you, you can stand on this one, have had fear trump your faith in God. Yeah. Right? Look around. We're all in the same boat, folks. There's no condemnation here. This is, how, this is what we go through. You may be seated. Fear's gotten the best of me many times. Where does fear start? It's in us. It's in us. Now, he had great guilt. He, at this point, had shame. And those are strongholds of an enemy. The devil has a stronghold in us from guilt and shame. That's why James is telling us continually to confess our faults one to another. It's a, it's a continual thing that we're supposed to be doing. Confess our faults one to another so our prayers will not be hindered. Because fear and guilt can hinder our faith. Real faith killers. And there are times that whatever the issue is, you find someone trustworthy, find someone that you could really trust and, and, and get close to, and share some of these things that the enemy uses against you in your heart. And you can break the power of that work of the enemy by bringing it to light and confessing it. Really, really does. Now look at, uh, I have differences with Catholic theology. Uh, I, I have some real issues with Catholic theology, but there's a number of things that the Catholic Church does do well and does do right, and one of those is confession. Not that you need a priest to absolve you. There's one high priest, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. We know that. Please don't misunderstand me and run away. Uh, but what I am saying is that just simply the concept of confessing your sins can help with the issue of guilt and break the power of the enemy that is causing fear in your life. So Jacob had this issue, and now he's afraid. So what does Jacob do? And this is what happens when we get into fear. We no longer trust God. We go to the flesh. So what is Jacob known for? Scheming. So how's he going to handle this problem? He's going to scheme. He's going to figure out. He knows he's supposed to go, so look at what he does. I'll read it real quick 
Uh, Jacob's, first of all, praise. God, my father of Abraham, God, the father of Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, return your country, to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. I'm not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you've shown to me, your servant. For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan and now I've become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he might come and attack me and the mothers of my children. But you said, I'll surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So he's reminding God, he knows the promise, he knows God has covenant, but he doesn't trust him. He's calling out, oh God, help me. Who's ever prayed a prayer like that? Stand up if you've ever prayed a prayer like that. Identify yourself. Identify yourself. All right. I'm standing through all of these because that's me. I've, I've, I mean, that's, we go through it. You can be seated. Now look at what he says. So he stayed there that night, and from what he had with him, he took a present for his brother Esau. Now it lists 200 goats and 20 male goats. That's one herd. Then he had two, 200 ran, uh, sheepies, and 20 rams, 30 milk camels and their baby colts, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 foals. He had five different herds of animals. If you know anything about herding and livestock, you don't mingle livestock. He kept them separate. He had five herds. So what he told his servants is this, you go before me so that every time one herd gets passed, you tell Esau, this is from his servant Jacob. It's a gift. Now, he already gave him a bunch of animals, didn't he? So now he's going, okay. He's scheming. I'm putting five herds of livestock in front of me. So the first wave comes and says, your servant Jacob is giving this to you, great Esau, as a gift to you. Oh, thanks. And now so all the camels and the sheep go by. Then the next row, he goes, oh, your servant Esau, Jacob, is giving these to you, Esau. So five different presents. What's he setting between him and Esau? A wall, a lot of buffering. How many of you, back to seeing our poll today, how many of you have ever made excuses to protect yourself? <laughs> You're up. Right? That was the biggest one. You may be seated. Self-protection, preservation. Yeah, it's, it's natural. Lying is the first wave of self-protection. We learn it when we're two. Who made this mess? Me yeah. <laughs> you remember, don't you? I never taught my kids how to lie. They knew how to. Why? Self-protection. See it all the time. We all do it. Or, well, it wasn't really a lie. I just didn't give them all the information. What are we doing? We're lying. Why do we lie? To protect ourselves. Let's get right to the issue. We lie to protect ourselves. When the truth is the way we should always speak. So he's putting five waves 
of interception. Now get this. This is really great. This is crazy. He goes on and he says this. Uh, He instructed the second and third and all who follow the droves or the herds, say my name and tell him that these are for him. I may appease him with these presents. Then it says, the same night he arose, took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob stayed there alone. (laughs) He also pushed his wives and his kids out in front of him too. Woo! And stayed behind. I won't ask you to stand on this one, but how many of you have sold out other people for your own protection? I don't know. Just asking. All right, so there he is all alone, and guess what happens? He's not alone. Someone shows up. Someone showed up that night and begins to what? Wrestle. You think that felt familiar to Jacob? Wrestling is what he's been doing all his life. Wrestling against his brother. Wrestling with his guilt. Wrestling to get a wife. Wrestling with his boss and laborer. Wrestling with cheating. Wrestling with obeying God. Wrestling with shame and guilt. Wrestling with all of this. So God says, Let's rumble. Let's wrestle. Now, this is called a theophany. It's a pre-existent appearance of Christ. The reason we know that is because at the end of this, uh, uh, Jacob says, I have seen God and lived. He recognizes that this angel, this messenger, is the messenger of God, the angel of God, the word of God in the flesh. It's Jesus incarnate, Jesus coming uh, before he came in the flesh as the messenger of God, the captain of the host of God's army, and he begins to wrestle with Jacob. And it says they wrestled all night. Appropriate night. How many of you have ever wrestled all night over an issue right how many of you have wrestled in prayer all night with god why aren't you doing what i want when will you do what i need how come you're not doing this he already had the promises of god you heard it in his prayer how many of you know the promises of god know the covenant of god but still wrestle with god asking him where he's at (laughs) we do don't we we do You know what I thank God for? He stays wrestling with us. And he knows the moves (laughs) to get us to tap out. (laughs) But he knows the way to get the best out of us. And that's what he did with Jacob. He's wrestling all night. Now this guy, he's desperate. How many of you have been desperate? He is desperate. And finally, the angel says, I'm out of here, man. This is getting morning time. I'm out of here. Of course, at any time, that angel could have simply just taken him out. How many of you know that God could have taken you out at any minute? Come on. Who do we think we are? This angel, it says, touched his hip. So he's wrestling. They're sweating. They're rolling back and forth in the dirt. He's got him in a headlock. The angel flips him back and he grabs him by the nostrils and pulls him down. And he grabs him by the ankle and the angel's walking away and he grabs his foot like he did Esau and pulls him back in. He won't let go. And he's wrestling and wrestling. Finally, the angel goes like this. 
That angel could have just smashed him with his pinky. God could crush any one of us, but he lets us wrestle. Why does God let us wrestle with him? Why doesn't he just give us whatever we want whenever we ask? Is it always the best thing? How many of you have wrestled with your kids in arguments, right? In the middle of Kmart. You're not going to get that. I want it. You can't have it. I want it. I'll never forget one Father's Day, leaving the restaurant with my daughter, clinging to the post on the booth, and me pulling her. Come on, we're going. No, I don't want to go. We're going. It's Father's Day. Let go of this thing. It was a very nice ending to our meal. Why does God let us wrestle with him? Because he wants us to seek him. He wants us to find the way that he's leading us. He wants us to sweat with him. He wants us to feel it. He could take us out at any minute, but he doesn't. But I love this about Jacob. And this is what he was waiting to get out of Jacob. He smashed his his hip and and, uh, the tendon there. And it says, but Jacob grabbed him and would not let go. That's what God is after. That's what he's after with you and me. I don't know how you were born. You stood up. We had these stories of what you were born with. We had these stories of what you've been through. We have stories of your family. You all have stories of the conniver that you were, how you lied, how you cheated, how you feared, how you trusted, how you've broken down, what you don't know. But everything he's bringing you through, all that you've been through is because he needs to pull out of you a faith you didn't know you had. Only God can do that. Only God can take you past the limit because we'd all tap out. We'd all quit. Says I, he, he pushes us. He pushes us. I, I, I don't mean to speak on this over and over, but it's, it's a true thing in my life that at age seven, 16, I had to cut my father down from a pipe Now at 16, I'm not supposed to see my dad hanging from a pipe committing suicide. And at 16, I didn't think I could handle that. But God knew I could. I didn't sign up for that. I never would have signed up for that because I never thought I could have handled that. But here I am. And I've wrestled with God over that. Years, years I wrestled with God. But I wouldn't let go of Him until I got an answer. And you know what? I got an answer. And that's why I'm here and what I'm doing today. Because I held on. God wants you to hold on. Some of you have been through horrendous things. Terrible things. Difficult things. But God knew you could take it. And God needed you to hold on through it. Because you are going to make it. And you're bringing many others with you. Amen. That's what he got. And he held on. And he said, I won't let go till you bless me. And that angel, I'm sure, cracked a smile. I know he cracked a smile. He goes, what's your name? He knew his name. But he needed for him to identify himself. I'm the schemer. I'm the supplanter. He said, no, you're not. You were Jacob. 
Now you are Israel, the one who wrestles with God. God gave you a new name. You used to be loser. You used to be schemer. You used to be sinner. You used to be conniver. You used to be nothing. Now you are child of God. Now you are beloved. Now you are saint. Now you are the apple of my eye. Now you're my child. Now you are everything. That's our identity. And that's how Jacob got a new identity. And when he met, it says the next chapters, he went and brought his wives with him and put them behind him. Something happened to the man. Something changed in him. He brought his family back and said, you get behind me. And Rebecca, you get in the very back with Joseph. And he went forward and he went and he met his brother Esau and they embraced and they wept together and everything God knew was going to happen that was going to happen. Jacob finally trusted God because he wrestled through it. That's our identity. Amen? That's your identity. That's who you are. What I was is not what I am. And what I am becoming, nobody knows except Him. You are on your way to a glorious inheritance and identity. Here, I'm closing with this. God sees you as what you're becoming. We can't see it. you got to trust and know that you are amazing. You are amazing. Because God is making you into that amazing thing He called you to become. Let's bow our heads. Father, help us.